Hello and welcome to The Harsh Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is Spencer to talk about the defeat to Dunfermline, preview our two games against Alloa, talk about the Romanov era and we continue to speak about the Hearts documentary on the BBC. What a terrible result last night I have to say. Yeah, yeah it certainly was. Um, it was a pathetic performance I thought. Um, very disappointing. But at the same time, you could argue it's maybe been coming because I think on the road particularly, we haven't been convincing. Um, I've, I've spoken about before how I, I don't particularly like the fact that we continually set up with two holding midfielders. I think it, it gives us a lack of options, particularly going forward. Um, the, the, the biggest thing for me I thought more than anything that, that annoyed me yesterday was Stephen Naismith's role. Um, you know, if you want to if you want to play a number ten, I think you've got to have some. You know, you've got to have your number ten in the actual number ten role, not coming. You know, fifty, sixty yards back into his own half to collect the ball. He should be the man there who's linking up the play, um, who's bringing the guys like White and Boyce into the game. And I just feel like he's not getting... And that's not that's not just down to him. I feel Lee and um, Halliday have got to do more. You know, if they're going to play in that certain role, then they, they've got to do more to win the ball, do the dirty side of the game, then bring Naismith in, who should be further up the park, in that hole. He then does his bit and feeds his strikers. And that's that was the most frustrating thing about yesterday, was, was sitting watching that. There was no fluid... It, Nothing fluid about that that performance. Nothing fluid about the the formation that they were working with. You know, listen, we we know that we've got two attacking fullbacks who will want to get forward. That was our only outball. You've got you you've got a such a narrow, predictable kind of performance, and it fed right into Dunfermline's hands. And you know, he he tried to change it three or four times throughout the game, particularly in the second half when it wasn't clearly working. But it's like he didn't didn't have a, a plan. Didn't have a, you know, he didn't, he didn't know what he wanted to do, um, and it was like, oh, I'll just chuck him on, I'll just chuck, like, you know, like bringing Walker on, and you know, and then you've got two number tens. I, I don't know if if he put Walker out wide or what he wanted to do with Walker on the park. I still think having him and Naismith is ineffective in the same team. So just the, there were so many bizarre decisions. It was such a, a poor, poor night, and it really highlighted quite a few major problems um, that we clearly still have. Um, so a very, very disappointing evening um, and much, much work ahead. It's clearly a problem, Spencer, you know, but he, he didn't have a plan B there, did he? No, but, you know, at the same time, we did miss uh, a few chances. I believe uh, Popescu, um, I mean, he, he has to finish their chances. I mean, the ones that hit off the bar and they had a header that went uh, in the second half that were uh, just wide. He, he looked a bit suspect, uh, Popescu, I have to say. I think he has to finish those chances. Uh, Naismith as well. He was one on one, wasn't he? And for some reason, he passed the ball. I don't know if he didn't translate on his left foot, but I felt like he should have tried to stick it away. But yeah, it was it was a strange performance. It wasn't very good. Um, we've been like that a lot this season, actually. You know, apart from the Dundee game, I've not been, and obviously later on in the Hibs game, the semi final when Naismith and, and Haran came on, but not been overly impressed with us so far this season. It's not like the the last Championship season where we were just sort of blowing teams away, especially earlier on. Um, you can see this being not so much a struggle. I think we'll bounce back against Aloha. 
but um, you know, away from home, it's it's going to be different than the last time we're in the championship. I can see us dropping a few points in places. I think, unfortunately, should, should the our both game Spencer of of set alarm bells going? Yes, very much. So I think we're very lucky that night. Um, you know that that night we we could rely on Craig Gordon. I didn't think he had the best game last night. I'm going to be honest with you. I think uh, especially that corner. Uh, I thought he was at, he was at fault. Uh, I don't know if he was expecting the man on the the front post to head it away, but he completely missed it, didn't he? It was a, a big error. He also made a couple of saves that annoyed me that, that looked like it was for the camera. I mean, there was one where he could have just stood there and caught it. He dived for it, but that night we at our both we could rely on Craig Gordon. Last night we couldn't, unfortunately, but we couldn't rely on many people last night, not just him. Um, yeah, pretty pretty poor performance. I'm not shocked though. I had a feeling that we. We would have, I thought it was going to be a draw last night, actually. I didn't think we were, we were going to go there and win. I just had a feeling. And, uh, yeah, obviously proved to be a, a defeat, which is pretty damaging. In the first half, it was, you know, it wasn't really a, a, a sort of end-to-end nor a good game. I mean, we had a few chances, but, you know, there wasn't any clear-cut chances, Gordon, in, in that first half. The second half comes along and... You know, we put Naismith on on the left, and um, you know we we go and concede two goals in quick succession. It's you know it's very worrying. I would I would have to say. And it, it's it is extremely worrying because when you're not uh, creating the bulkier chances from open play, that's when you have issues. Um, yeah, we talk about the first half chances, but really they were from set plays. That you know we never I never thought we opened unfirmly up at any point. And, uh, and there's reasons for that, because quite simply, I go back to, to my earlier point, we, we were playing too narrow. Everything was through the middle of the park. Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't getting wide at all. You know, the fullbacks were scared to go past the halfway line because they knew that they could potentially get done on the counter. Um, they didn't have a wide man out there to double up on the Dunfermline fullbacks and get balls into the box. And that's something that I think, particularly when, you know, you're in the championship and you're playing against teams, really, you should have more quality, um, more pace and power to open these teams up. Uh, and when you've got, you know, Liam Boyce will undoubtedly get a lot of criticism for the second half header that he missed. Fair enough. But when you're a striker, you know, you're not going to score. I mean, there's maybe two players in the world that will score with, you know, 99% of the chances they're given. Right? Unfortunately, we don't have players like that. However, a guy like Liam Boyce, you look at his record, he scores goals wherever he goes, right? If you give that guy three or four chances in a game, he will score at least one of them. 100% every game. That's just his ratio. Now, when you're only giving him one chance a game and he misses that chance, yeah, people are going to jump on his back and criticise him. But I think they should be looking at the bigger picture and looking at the, the players who play behind them. You know, he's midfield, he's creative players. It's their job to do the hard work and give the, this guy the ball. Um, it only happened once yesterday. He had one chance. Yes, he should score. He missed it. Fine. But at the end of the day, there's going to be more done for him. He's obviously going to get frustrated, and rightly so. You know, we've seen this all over the years at Hearts. We, you know, we bring in a guy who's got a good goal-scoring pedigree, and we, we don't have the creative players to match. You know, I just think we're too... Um, I mean, it's fine being solid and things like that against teams like Hibs in the semi-final and Celtic and stuff. You know, you don't mind playing an extra midfielder and being a bit more solid because these teams can hurt you. But we, it's like every single game we set up this way because 
and I, I don't know if he doesn't have confidence in you know in the other players or he feels this is his best team and it's the best way to get results. I just think that there's going to be a little bit more flexibility in his team selections. There's got to be more flexibility in the way that that we set up. I've not seen that so far. It's it's quite easily if you sit in the if you're an opposition manager and you look at the way Hearts play, it's clear to see the way they're going to set up every week. They're not they're not going to surprise you. Therefore, you can plan for that. And Dunfermline and Stevie Crawford done their homework. They knew exactly how to heart Hearts and where Hearts' weak points were, and they exploited them. And I think that that's extremely worrying. So for me, Nielsen's got to go back to the drawing board. He's got a good coaching team there. They've got to find a different way of playing when it isn't going to plan. By all means, have a style that you want to implement. I've no problem with that. But they've got to have plan Bs and plan Cs. And it was and, and last night highlighted that they clearly didn't have any. And they just, you know, they just looked at the, the game and they just thought, right, I'll throw Walker on, or I'll throw Irvin on, uh, and we'll see what happens. But there was no, the, the, for me, there was just no plan B. And, um, and it was frustrating to watch. It really was. And you could see the Dunfermline goals coming. Uh, you know, I don't think, they, listen, Dunfermline get the plaudits for winning the game. Fair enough. I tipped them at the start of the season for being a dark horse. They're a very workmanlike side. They've got a few good uh, young players in there. Um, but they didn't have to work hard for the result last night. You know, I, I thought um, I thought Hearts gifted them it. Um, and very, very disappointed uh, in, in the way we played. And it's a, it's a dent. And I think because it is a condensed season, we can't really be afford to lose in games. Uh, I, I know it's inevitable, and Nielsen said it in his, his post-match conference, that, yeah, we will lose games this season. That's fine. But at the end of the day, we should have the mentality where we aren't losing games this season. We should be turning up to Dunfermline and winning three, four nil, respectively. But it, that, that's the way it should be happening, and um, not good enough. I thought Walker did okay when he came on, as well. Um, I, I don't know what Gordon's problem with, with Walker is, but I thought he did. He, he did fine when he came on. Uh, boy, I, some... I never criticised Walker's performance yesterday. Listen, I like Jamie Walker, but I've been critical of him because he hasn't been good enough this season. You've been you've you've been very critical of Jamie Walker. You've said yeah, and right, and I've just said that, and I just. Yeah, but you, you said it was a wasted substitution when he came on. No, I didn't say that at all. I never said he was a wasted substitution. There'd be words in my mouth. I said Nielsen had no clue where to put him on and utilize him. If he came on in a straight swap for um, Stevie Naismith, fine. But he was came on. He was put out wide. He's not effective as a wide player, and he didn't do very much when he came on. But eventually, he did swap and become in that ten role. If you're going to bring him on, just take him off. Uh, bring Naismith off. It, it just it, it's finding a way to get the best out of him, and clearly the best position for him is a number ten. Well, I think we would have done better in the game yesterday if Walker had started, especially. Uh, yeah. Listen, yeah, yeah, he, he might, he might have done because I didn't think Neesmith's performance was good enough. But again, I go back to the fact that Robbie Nielsen plays him as a number ten, yet um, Neesmith's coming deep in his own half to collect the ball, giving himself far more work as a number ten. Your job is to, to be the, the anchor in the middle of the park between your holding midfielders and your strikers. It's your job as a number 10 to link those two, two, um, two positions. Get the ball, create for your strikers. Simple as that. That's what that number 10 role is. is isn't to come away into your own half, collect the ball. Then you've got an entire Dunfermline midfield to then try and get past. Then on top of that, the defence. It, it's so schoolboy stuff. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but it really is. For me, Naismith, somebody's, I don't know if he's doing it himself. We've seen him do it last season. You know, he's got the armband. He wants to be involved in everything. Fine. 
but he's got to remember his position and his role. And his role is an attacking player. It's not to come back deep and collect the ball and, and try and, you know, do whatever he start attacks. That's not his role. It's a number 10 role. Therefore, he should be up front, influencing the game at the top half of the pitch. There was no coherence in that team. No, not, not really. Well, I, th- I think Gordon gives Liam Boyce an easy time as well, I have to say. I know he was talking about the chance he missed, but I've seen Liam Boyce miss several chances this season, several uh, clear-cut ones. Uh, even going right back to that first game against Dundee where we won the penalty. That was going well wide. I've said that before. Uh, last night, he should have scored. I mean, that was such a simple header. I get what he's saying. You know, you, you can't expect him to put away every, but that was like a sitter. I mean, he was only a couple of yards out. If he puts it anywhere else, that's that's 2-1 with about 25 minutes left. And we wait more time but, to get but, but the point I'm making about Liam Boyce is when you're a striker, and I've played up front myself, I know exactly what it's like. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to people who are, are strikers, and you've, you've seen it. Scoring goals is all about confidence. And when you're playing in a game, and you're only getting one chance a game, and I find that chance for saying, yes, listen, he should score. I don't argue, I'm not arguing with that. He's missed a lot of big chances this season. But if you're not giving him enough, and you're not giving him enough chances, you're not creating enough, if he's becoming isolated and frustrated, that's going to affect his performance and affect his confidence. And it's up to the guys who's behind them, who's creative players, up to his manager to get the best out of him. And, you know, I mean, the guy's a goal scorer and he'll score you goals. But, you know, we've got to remember who not we based are. There's evidence at heart so far he's not a goal scorer. I've seen nothing to suggest that he's a goal scorer. He's going to be a goal scorer for Hearts. I mean, yeah, Ross County did well. But again, you, you look to who he's playing. What, what do you mean? He's done fantastic. Well, he was Ross County's top goal scorer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's done well at Ross County, but I've seen nothing right. to suggest that, he's going to do well at Hearts. Well, yes, because of the players that he's playing with. What I'm trying to explain to you is there's not enough creativity in the team. There's, they're not playing a, a, a formation that gets well, the best. What I'm, saying is, Gordon, what I'm saying is a good striker finishes that chance one-on-one at Hamden. A good striker puts away that chance last night. A good striker finishes against Dundee in the first game of the season. A good striker finishes all these chances. He keeps fluffing them up. I don't think he's a good striker. Well, well I don't I, think he's anything I, to do with confidence. I think he's useless. No, I, I completely disagree with that. I think at the end of the day, the guy will come good eventually, but it's, you, the, the, the team have got to do more to get the best out of him. The manager's got to find a way of playing without they get better, more out of Liam Boyce. He's, his numbers don't lie. He's an international striker for a reason. I think we've got to remember the fact that we've even got a player that standard up front when you look at the dross that we've actually had over the years up front for Hearts. Listen, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but we just struggle with strikers up front. I mean, even Stephen Aismith. You know what I mean? He hasn't scored enough goals for me. Yeah, I know he's, he's, he's had injuries and things like that, but he still has to scored enough goals. Boyce is the same. They've got to get away that they get the best out of these two guys. They're most effective when they're, they're in the opposition's box, and ultimately, we've, we've got to do more. And, and yes, listen, I agree with you. I think he deserves criticism because his performances clearly haven't been good enough. He has missed big, big chances. I'm not denying that, and I'm not, I'm not slipping away from that, but you've got to look at the bigger picture. And his stats don't lie. He's a brilliant, brilliant striker to have, but you've got to utilise him. Simple as that. And we haven't been doing that. I get both your points here, but should he have been playing that game? I mean, he only played for Northern Ireland on Wednesday. The turnaround would have been, you know, he wouldn't have even had a chance to play. Surely Nielsen should have been playing, you know, another formation or another team and then maybe bring him on. In that, in that situation, I mean, I, I think it was ridiculous that Michael Smith and him were both playing and 
you know, you could maybe argue that, you know, Craig Gordon's a goalie and it's, it's different being a goalie, but you could even argue Craig Gordon only got back on Friday as well, you know. Why are these? I get, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Ross. But the, the thing is, you've got to remember. I think that, that this is where the club goes wrong. They've got to tell BBC Scotland to leg it because that's twice now that we've been the Friday night game after an international break. And I'm sorry, we've got more international players than any other club in that division. Yet continually, we're picked for the Friday night games. Now, I can understand Nielsen wanting his best players on the park because, you know, why wouldn't you? Yeah, listen, he did look a bit leggy, boys. And you probably could have went with somebody else, but who'd you go for? There's, there's not, there's not any depth up front. There's not any depth at right back either. You know what I mean? Would you trust Jamie Brandon playing ahead of Michael Smith? No, you wouldn't. You would go, why Smith not playing? Um, likewise, you would say, why is Boyce not playing? If Henderson was up front, you just, you know, I, I get what you're saying. You know, yes, they're leggy, and these boys have they've played a lot of football and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think the club have got to turn in and say, listen. You know, I fair enough, you watch us on the telly and all that, but why is it a Friday night, two days after our, our best and most important players have been playing international football? Two days. They only got back um, like in the morning of the game or something. It's ridiculous. It really is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors in that. But I think to, to you know, I think they would be criticised if they didn't play them. But, yes, you can argue that they look at it. But you look at the depth in those particular positions, and there, there's such a lack of quality, unfortunately, that the guys who don't come in, they wouldn't do any better. Is it right then for me to criticise them for not playing Peter Harren? Yeah, well, I think I think Peter Harren uh, had a hamstring issue and they didn't want to aggravate it. Um, I think he, I think he had one. That's why he didn't play against his Fife, I believe. Um, although that you know they didn't communicate that until after the game, conveniently. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Peter Harren would 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 be the thing is with having Peter Harren. I think you don't need two holding midfielders if you have a guy like Peter Harren in there. I think that's that's where we miss him dramatically. You know, if he's in there himself, he can almost slot into a back three as well when defending. But also, he he does enough to just to sit in front of that back line and dictate play. And you know, and that's where you need you know you can push guys like Lee up further forward, having an Irvin in the, the, the team, who um, creatively is probably our best midfielder, to be honest with you. I think, as Spencer said, you know, he, he got the assist and, um, and and it was a very, very good ball into the box. And he, for me, is someone who should be very frustrated that he wasn't starting the game. Um, he should start ahead of Lee, in my opinion. Um, I like Halliday as a player. Um, I think he'll do a big job this season, but at the same time, you could argue the same thing. Um, that he, could, he he should have probably been starting ahead of him. I think I think Nielsen's loyalty to certain players is maybe the issue, and maybe you know he doesn't want to. And you could say the same thing about Levine and Stendhal as well. You know they 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 want they have their favourites almost, and they won't they won't kind of shy away from playing them. And I think when you've got a big squad like we do, particularly in midfield, when we've got a lot of depth, there's no reason why we can't change it um, every. You know, every week, if you want, I don't think we necessarily have to start with the same players. Um, so that's frustrating. I, I think Andy Irvin should be frustrated, and hopefully starts on Tuesday because he's uh, creatively, he's uh, you could argue that he's definitely our best player in, in that position. As a concern, Spencer, as well, I've, 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 we spoke about Andy Irvin a couple of times already in this podcast. But the guy's got his contract set to run out at the end of the season. He's probably one of our most creative players, as Gordon said. 
and Nielsen's not playing him, of course he's going to think, I'm going to leave, of course he's going to possibly think, at the end of the season, I'm going to leave this club and sign for another top three, top four club in Scotland, or maybe go down to England, because this club's not shown any loyalty to me. I don't, I don't see him signing for a top, like an Aberdeen or a, even, you know, like a Hibs or a Kilmar. I think he, I think Hearts will probably be the biggest club he plays for. I'd, I'd go out on a limb and say that. I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll have a bad career or that, but I don't, I don't see him, you know, going to like, like a higher championship team in England or a premiership team or anything like that. He's a good player. He's not, he's not fantastic at this moment. I thought, I've been impressed with him in, in spells. Again, I thought he did well when he came on last night. He just has to keep working hard, you know. He has to earn that new contract, doesn't he? He has to keep impressing like he did when he came on last. Nah, but in my opinion, in my opinion, Spencer, we let these players go that are half decent and they go on to have decent careers. The guy's got talent; he should be in the team. I'd give him a new contract, but he still needs to impress when he's given his opportunities. Uh, again, I think he's probably done enough to earn a start on Tuesday night against Alloa when he came on. Um, and we'll just hopefully it kicks on. You know, he needs to get goals and assists and a big part and us get promoted and if he does that then I'm sure he will get a new a new contract it'll probably be announced you know after January or something like that I'd think yeah no I, I agree with you completely I, I think um, the way we almost cast our young players aside really frustrates me because you know we, we project this image and Michael Stewart's picked up on it a few times um, we project this image as a club who give youth a chance and you know, we're all about bringing youth through and all this sort of thing. I think it's a complete and utter myth. Um, you know, look, look at Harry Cochran, for example. I think he's such a talented young young player. And, you know, when he burst onto the scene, I was really excited because I think he's such... A, yeah, you know, he needs to... And we, I remember we spoke to Don Kerry and stuff about it. And, you know, he said that he needs to bulk up and he, he hoped he would have kicked on. But I think the club need to do more with him. Still annoyed that we let Anthony McDonald go. Um, because I think, you know, he you're not trying to tell me that Elliot Freer's better than him, or or Cal Morrison, for that for that matter. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. Um, Cal Morrison has started the, the season on fire for Falkirk. Um, and I'm not surprised, because I think he, he's a young player who, yeah, he, he had a lot to improve on. You can argue about his final ball and things like that. It wasn't the best. But he was such a skillful young lad. And the, the pace and energy that he, he, he would show, um, he absolutely could have done a job for Hearts this season and I, I'm shocked that we never kept him and things like that really annoy me um, you know we've let these, these young guys go and I think they, they could have had a real impact on the team this season and I feel that we've kept the, the wrong youngsters um, not Irvin, I think I think Irvin's a, a good player as I say um, but you know guys like Henderson and Moore, Brandon are they good enough to play for Hearts? I don't think so um, yeah, they were given new contracts in the summer um, where guys like McDonald was allowed to leave. Cochran's on loan. I think his contract's up at the end of the season as well. Um, will he have a future at Hearts? You know, I, I really hope so, but, you know, it doesn't look good for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, like you say, Ross, you know, if you're Andy Irvin, you look at that and you go, well, you know, I'm not, why am I, why, how am I not starting ahead of these? You know, I'm coming on. I've made an impact. Um, yeah, I can't get a run of games for my own development more than anything. Um, so maybe he will consider his future and decide to go elsewhere. Like Spencer says, though, I mean, does he go to a top four club in Scotland? No, probably not. Um, they'd be taking a real gamble on him if they were. 
Um, you know, I, I think he probably doesn't stay in Scotland. He probably goes down south. And then, you know, whatever happens to him after that's anyone's guess because you can either sink or swim, especially in the lower leagues in England. So, um, yeah, I think definitely, you know, he's he's at a good club to kick on and develop. Um, but I think as much as he needs to do more when he's on the park, I think he actually needs to be given the opportunity to be on the park first and foremost. Going back to the Dunfermline game, um, Spencer, you know, Dunfermline seem to want it more than us. Maybe. I, I don't know if I, I believe that so much. I, I just think, uh, well, we were a bit flat. That's. I mean, they took their chances when they came along. I mean, um, the, the corner goal really annoys me. We were unlucky with the deflection, but, you know, I think Lee could have stopped the, the boy getting a shot away before he cut inside. Uh, unlucky with the deflection, as I said. Uh, the corner was horrendous, so both the the goalkeeper and the uh, and the man on the post. But it was two poor goals to concede. We we had chances. I mean, we, we were very poor. Lads. Dunfermline deserved the win, but you know, Capescu should have finished those chances with a header. Um, Naismith had one as well. You know, on another night we may have scored a couple of goals and you know, either got the draw or won the game. It just wasn't luck wasn't on our side last night, unfortunately, but I don't believe Dunfermline wanted it more than us. I just think they got their tactics right and took their chances when it came along. We, we were unlucky to an extent. Dunfermline deserved the win. Though. Listen, it clearly wasn't working in the first half, um, although but it was certainly an even game in the first half, I thought. Um, there wasn't really anything in it, but I think obviously Nielsen wanted to take the, the ascendancy and, and change it. And But by changing it, he just decided to move Stevie Naismith to left midfield. Uh, baffling decision. Not sure what that was all about, uh, to be honest with you. Um, not really sure how that affects the game. If anything, it gave Dunfermline more freedom on that side and it meant that Stephen Whitaker didn't really have to pay much attention to Naismith, so that gave him a free hand in the middle of the park. So, again, baffling decision. You know, Craig White was anonymous, as was Boyce. Um, but that, again, is down to them being isolated up front. Um you know, when, when you want to play holding midfielders, like I say, um, you know, with guys like uh, Halliday and, and um, you know, Irvin and things like that and Lee, you know, you just, they, they've got to do more. They, they, they've got to do the dirty side. They've got to try it back. They've got to win the ball. They've then got to feed your guys like Naismith, your walkers when he comes on, uh, Roberts, you know, these these guys. They, they're, they're on there to do a job. And score goals and create goals. If he set up differently, I think we could have won the game. You know, if we were a little bit more positive, a little bit more uh, attacking. As I said, I would have had Walker starting. I think he he gives the the team a little bit something different. I think he's naive. Um, that he you know he he thinks that his plan A will just be good enough to win every game. Um, and clearly it it isn't. You know, I think Stevie Crawford knew exactly the way Hearts would set up. And uh, they knew exactly the way that they would exploit it, and uh, and they did. Um, so you know, listen, credit to Dunfermline. It's a big result for them. Uh, it's a big statement of intent for them. Um, the fact that you know Hearts turn up and um, and they knew because of their good start that this was a big a big result for them. You know, I think if Hearts had turned up and won, then people would say, ah, oh, well, you know, it's, that's it. Championship's over. So I think they've definitely made it interesting and and. Maybe they've grounded us a little bit because, you know, everybody is saying, you know, and, and myself included, that 
uh, we would just breeze the championship. We wouldn't lose a game. And, re- you know, listen, we shouldn't be losing a game because, we're the, you know, we shouldn't even be in that bloody league. But the fact of the matter is you've got to earn the right. And um, we didn't earn the right last night. You know, Dunfermline deserved to win the game. Uh, Spencer says they took their chances. And uh, and they, they definitely could have added to it. Um, but the I think the, the biggest worry that we should have is this just wasn't a one-off, in my opinion, performance-wise. Uh, because our broth was poor, um, and you know, you know, I, I don't want to overreact because yes, it is one defeat in eight games or whatever it is, and we've had some big results. And we've listen, we've been positive and we've we've big hearts up, but at the end of the day, if you look at the big picture, the performances overall, they've been poor, they've been lacklustre, and the our broth game, you wouldn't have been shocked if we ended up losing that game. Um, as Spencer says, I only really remember us kind of playing well twice this season, and that ultimately was Dundee at home, and certainly the the second half, an extra time of the Hibs game, uh, when Nizi and, and Haran came on. So um, even the home games, you know, the the League Cup games, haven't been great, um, and then the the Inverness game at home as well wasn't great. So we need a reaction. You know, Alawa on Tuesday, uh, a real opportunity to lay down a marker. Hart should be looking to go out there and, and score a few goals, get the goal difference up, and then get to back within a point of, of the top and then kick on from there. Of course, Alawa on Tuesday and Alawa in the Cup coming up. They're a team that have not made a good start, but they have got through the League Cup group. It was obviously two must-win games because we want to get away in the Cup. The Tincastle game kind of takes care of itself, you could argue. We're maybe being a wee bit arrogant there. The tricky one will be the League Cup game because we would have played each other on the Tuesday before. Mm-hmm. I can see them being packed in, trying to take that to extra time or penalties for the Cup game on a Saturday. Um, I, I don't like that pitch they've got. It was it proved difficult last time we were we were there in the, the Championship. Um, although we won pretty comfortably the second time, but the first game in particular was 1-0 and that was really terrible with their little black pellets all over the place it's a, it's a horrendous oh, pitch I mind, I mind that game, it was freezing as well wasn't it? Yeah it was so I don't know, I mean a cup game you know, take care of itself, we, we really need to win and get to the quarter final um, just keep the, the good cup runs going but it'll be a tough one, I think Tynecastle on Tuesday won't be a problem as you said I think we'll, we'll take care of that, we'll see a bit of a response um, Aaron will be playing again, and we've also got a couple others coming back as well on Tuesday, but away from home, we've not been great so far, performance-wise. It'll be a tough game on the Saturday, but hopefully we can win and get to the quarter-final again. Like any of these games, oh Gordon, it's it, it does have its difficulties. Will we make changes? Yeah, I think I think we have to do um, to freshen up a little bit. Um, I don't know how many changes he'll make for the the league game. Um, but certainly a good opportunity to maybe try, you know, a more expansive way of playing. Um, you know, the, the, the League Cup game will be a total different game to, to Tuesday. Um, you know, Aloha really will see that game as nothing to lose. And I, I think if Hearts don't lay down a marker on the Tuesday, then, you know, they'll take confidence and go, well, listen, these aren't that great. Um, why can't we go and get a result on our own park against them? So, you know, it's a cup final for them. They'll just be disappointed that there isn't a crowd in. Um, listen, I think first and foremost, when you play against lower league opposition, you've got to use your quality. Um, you know, are, inevitably they'll sit in and uh, they'll try and make it difficult and they'll try and 
getting behind Hearts. And I think when, you know, Hearts have all the characteristics that probably suit a team like Alloa because, you know, we are slow and I think we could easily be done on the counter-attack, unfortunately. Um, and we don't move the ball quick enough. And ultimately, I think that's something we need to improve on. When you are playing against these smaller teams, you've got to open them up and you've got to find a way unlocking uh, the door. You know, they're not going to leave uh, gaps in behind and let Hearts exploit them. It's just not going to happen. So it could turn into a, a, a very sluggish game for them. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the away game actually does concern me. Um, so it might be worth maybe you know, playing a younger, maybe fresher side uh, for the quarters uh, to start off with and maybe, you know, have maybe some of the the, the bigger boys to, to come on if need be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting way of approaching it. I think Tuesday, listen, if we didn't have enough to go and beat Aloha Athletic, then dearie me, we're in big, big trouble, respectively. Um, you know, these, these are your bread and butter games that you should be turning up and winning 3-4-0. It just should be, you know. Um, if we're struggling at home, Alawa, then we've got bigger problems than than we think. If, if we get beat on Tuesday, Spencer, is it Nielsen out? <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll give them till the cup final. We'll see if we can bring that home. Uh, no, listen, I don't. I don't think you can see Nielsen out after really? uh, <laughs> after what, you know a couple of disastrous results. But yeah, the pressure would certainly be hyped up on them. You know, I think the Hibs game definitely bought them time. Um, but yeah, listen, he, he he definitely needs to improve. I think he's the guy who can come in and stabilise us and get us up. And then, you know, but I think overall, and I've said this before, is he the guy to give, you know, bring long term success to hearts? I don't know. Not so sure. Obviously I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but you know, it is an important two games, Spencer. It is, absolutely. Um but you know, even even last season, you know, when Nielsen was at Dundee United, they never ran away with it. I mean, I'm just looking at the table here when it was called. It was uh, 18 wins, five draws, five defeats. So I think we could probably expect something, and that was them um, 14 points clear as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the season looked like roughly for when Hearts finish it this year. I think we'll win the league pretty comfortably. But I do see us, you know, maybe drawing a couple more games, losing a couple more games. It's not going to be the uh, like the championship season the first time where we were unbeaten after what twenty eight games or something like that. We got a couple of defeats towards the end, but we'll uh, we'll lose we'll lose some games at these tricky places. Starks Park, maybe another problematic one. Certainly up at Inverness, we've got a terrible record up there. Um, but I'm expecting us to win all our Tynecastle games. I think we'll have a hundred percent record at Tynecastle. It's just uh, some of these away from home places will be a bit more tricky but we'll still win that league comfortably I have to say I mean if, if, if we lose on Tuesday Spencer you're not allowed back on because you you would have just jinxed it I think we will win on Tuesday I have to say I think I think we'll beat Aloha pretty comfortably we'll see a bit of a response I'm sure one thing that I listened to this week that was um, related to Hearts was the Giant podcast it was a Spotify original and it you know it sort of alluded to um, the record in three and what, what happened there with the press conference it was an infamous press conference I thought it was quite good. I mean, Gordon, you've listened to it yourself. What what was your opinion of it? I wouldn't say it was a balanced podcast. Uh, I thought, it, you know, it was interesting to hear from Stephen Presley about it in particular. You know, I don't think he's spoken too much about it. Uh, you know, we heard little bits from Hartley and, and Craig Gordon as well. Um, you know, I mean, I can I can understand Presley at the time, why he done it. Um 
listen, things clearly weren't right at the football club and, and things that, you know, Romanov absolutely overstepped the mark. But I think it would have been interesting for them to maybe have a fan's perspective on it. Because, um, you know, they, they, I think they said something like Romanov's eight years of terror. Um, I think that's a bit harsh. We won two Scottish Cups, barely lost to Hibs. We're constantly kind of fighting for Europe. So, um, yeah, listen, it wasn't great. But, and, and let's be honest with you, you know, that time, you know, it absolutely should have been, you know, the glory years of Hearts. And I think if it was done properly, we would we'd be dominating Scottish football with the old firm at the moment. But um it wasn't to be. You know, he clearly used the club as his like toy, totally mismanaged it, absolutely. But I think at the same time it was a it was a fun ride. I think uh, you know, yeah, it, it ended in tears, but at the same time, you know, has Ann Budge's tenure been any different, really? Um, yeah, like I say, it was interesting to, to hear from, from the players themselves why they'd done it. Um, but I think it was uh, slightly misleading to suggest that it was all bad. Vladimir Romanov was, was a very interesting character. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, he saved the club, didn't he, when he first came in? You know, if uh, Chris Robinson had his way, Hearts would be playing at Murrayfield. Tynecastle would have been... Uh, demolished um so you know he saved hearts when he first came in we had that great first season we finished uh, second and won the scottish cup uh, i like to say that the real final was the semi uh, the final against hibs but um, of course gretna was a bit of an anti-climax but uh yeah that, that, that was uh interesting romanov uh, romanov done a lot of good things for hearts um he was probably just poorly well poorly advised i think in some some cases the people around them weren't particularly helpful when you hear stories and things like that from past podcasts you know uh, what was the name guys it was it Fedotovis was that his name or something like that and then, yeah yeah the, the son as well Roman Romanov so these were people that were floating around um also you know the, the climate wasn't particularly good um if you're talking about like a financial sense it was around about the the financial crash in 2008 which affected him as well of red so wasn't a particularly good time to be a, a businessman of any sort at that, that period. But I thought he'd done a, a decent job. He left the club in a pretty disastrous situation. But, you know, that's not all to be pointed at him. It's just uh, good that things worked out in the end. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I look at Vladimir Romanov's eight years more favourably than, than poorly, I have to say. He delivered two Scottish Cups. And, hey, as Gordon said, we hardly lost to him. So I view that as a pretty pretty good time. Obviously, you would take um, you know one relegation for two Scottish Cups. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. Of course you would. Um, you know, listen, I think um, you know a lot's been said about the Romanov era, um, but I don't think it's ever asked. You know, I don't think kind of media and things like that ask what it was like from a fan's point of view. Uh, yeah, it was frustration uh, at times, and you know, towards the end, we obviously feared for the the club's survival, but. You know how many times through Hearts history have we went through periods where we've we've feared for the club's survival? You know, it's just it just seems to be a constant. It <laughs> goes hand in hand with being a Hearts supporter. Um, yeah, listen, there was there was there was good periods uh, and there was there was poor periods, absolutely. Um, but I mean, it would be interesting, to, I think, to sit down uh, with somebody like Stephen and and sort of hear his point of view and and see what he thinks from you know about the fact, because, I mean, listen, you know, Presley now is a very decisive character uh, amongst Hearts fans. You know, he he, he made a, a comment in it and he says, you know, he knew how his um, 
you know, his life was going to go um, if he hadn't basically made the, the the comments and the statements. You know, he was set up basically, to, you know, for his testimonial and all that. and Probably would have finished his career at Hearts. Might have won another trophy, who knows. Um, and probably would have went on to manage the club in some capacity. Um, instead, you know, he, he left and um, done himself no favours with coming back and signing for Celtic after saying he would never sign for another Scottish club. Yeah, I think that definitely soured his, his reputation um, as what could have been argued as one of Hearts' greatest ever captains. So um, it would be interesting to see what he, his thoughts on that were. He says he has no regrets, which is fine. Um, but clearly, I think, um, you know, it was an entire situation that could have been handled differently. But it was certainly it was a, it was a dark period uh, during Romanov's uh, tenure. Um, you can see it from both sides. Yeah. Absolutely, I, you know. I just think that that's maybe not. It's maybe not portrayed. Um, both sides is, is not portrayed as much. I think you know. I think everyone just thinks that um, you know Romanov's a name that won't be spoken around. Gorgie, um, certainly not. I think it's a period that you know we won two Scottish cups in, and we you know we should celebrate that fact. It doesn't matter how you do it. Still, still, you know, we still won those trophies and competed in Europe and, and we had some good days. I, I think I had a lot more sympathy for for Presley after listening to the podcast. You know, he did have a lot of people coming to him with a lot of things, you know, and it, as club captain, fine, you've got that responsibility, but you shouldn't have the responsibility of the manager, the chief executive, you know, the, the chairman at the time as well. I think, you know, he'd he done what he believed was right. Um, yeah, I think as captain, he, 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 and you know, he was more than a captain, really. You know, he was, you could argue that he was Mr. Hearts, you know, and um, he, he, yes, he had a, a lot of responsibility, he had a lot of pull with the players and things like that. And the fans adored him, you know, listen, he was dropped from the uh, the team, um, and the fans sung his name round Tynecastle that day. So clearly, the supporters were right behind him. Um, I just think that the biggest thing is, you know, if he had left and he had went down south to England and left at that, he would still be welcomed back with open arms. I just think it's the way he conducted himself after he left Hearts um, was was the biggest issue. I don't think anybody ever had any problem with him speaking out. I don't think that's that's not something that gripes supporters. It's not something that gripes me. And I totally agree with you. I think, you know, he, he, you do have a lot of sympathy when when you listen to his side of the story. And, and why he done it, and that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, listen, I think you know he's he's a man who um, will look back on from his playing side very fondly. The thing that I found most nuts about the podcast, Spencer, was probably the fact that Romanov was actually picking the team. Yeah, um, I think that was uh, more so under uh, Graham Ricks, wasn't it? I don't know, did that happen under Ivanovskis as well? Was that mentioned? I, I think there was. It was alluded to. Um, that he was basically picking the team under you know numerous managers and you know substitutions were were sent basically at X time and stuff like that. So I, I don't really know why he was saying oh sub on so and so in sixty minutes. I mean how how does that change a game? But sure, that's, that, that's true. I'd be surprised if that happened under. I don't think it happened under Jeffries, and it definitely didn't happen under Burley. That, that's why Burley left, according to Paul Hartley, because. Uh, Romanov was happy we never played Mikalunis and Chesnowskis at Celtic Park, and apparently we would have won that day if they too were playing, so that kind of led to Burley leaving, according to Paul Hartley. Uh, I, I know for a fact, because it was mentioned that, that he was picking a team under Ricks, but I don't know 
um, about Ivanowskis or, or Laszlo. I'd be surprised if it happened under Shabo, Shaba. Uh, and it definitely didn't happen under Jeffries. I think Jim said that. Like they try, He tried to infer, interfere, but Jeffries wasn't having it. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it was probably blown out of proportion, the whole interfering with team thing. I think it definitely happened under under Ricks, but it probably became less frequent later on, I would say. But, but the thing is as well, you know, the, the media seem, seem to have had some obsession with him picking the team and who picks the team. Same thing happened under Levine when he was the director of football. I mean, every week he was accused of picking the team, you know, Catherine Nielsen. Um, so, I, you know, I think it is blown out of proportion. Um, yeah, listen, it's not something that, he, you know, he should be getting involved in team selections. But at the same time, I mean, the, the same thing happened when Levine was director of football. So, I think uh, I think that needs to be questioned. That, there's a difference between a director of football having an involvement in the team. Obviously, Craig Levine didn't pick the team. We know that. Um, and there's a difference between a director of football who maybe knows football, um, you know, having an having an influence on training and and all that sort of stuff, than the chairman that that you know maybe owns the club, but you know clearly doesn't know anything about football. Well, I mean, if he was picking the team, he's won two Scottish Cups, hasn't he? So, you know, maybe maybe he should have been a manager. If he maybe did end up the best manager in Hearts history, we just don't know about it. You have to wonder, was he right about Burley? Would we have won at Celtic Park that day if Mika Lunas and Chesnowskis were playing? Would we, have, would we have won instead of the 1-1 draw? Who knows? I think I, I think if Vladimir Romanov wasn't as stupid and didn't sack, didn't sack George Burley, then we probably would have actually won a league. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Because that Hearts team were playing some brilliant football, and obviously we spoke to Andy Webster as well about it, and he said, you know, there was a feeling amongst the dressing room that they thought, you know, something special was going to happen that season. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you could feel, you know, there was just something different about Hearts then, and, uh, you know, Tyne Castle was sold out, and I went to quite a lot of the home games there. You know, I was only a young kid, but... um, uh, you know, I can. I still remember the feeling um, around the football club. And do you know what? I mean, it just highlights how big a club Hearts are because, you know, see when things are going well at Hearts, you know, they they really are by far and away the third biggest club in the country. But, you know, the potential. Somebody, you know, if you had if you had millions of pounds and you came in, you invested correctly in a club like Hearts, you absolutely could achieve something special. Um, you know, I just think that. You know, you would have sold out ten castles every week. I mean, look, look what happened when we beat Rangers earlier in last season. There, you know, we took uh, three, three and a half thousand up to St Johnston. Who, who, who else? Would, you know, what other club, bottom of the table, would take three and a half thousand to, to an away game? No, I, I totally agree. I, I think, I think Hearts. You know, I hate to use the the sort of phrase "sleeping giant," but you know, in, in some ways, you know, we've got the facilities there. We've we've got the the fan base there to certainly would certainly be you know that third force and and you know we'll, we'll move on and now talk about the, the the current um you know the current situation we're in while talking about the documentary on the bbc listen we've we've made more than enough opinions on this show um about the the current regime um and i still stick by them i think things are slightly better now than than they obviously were because um, you've got guys like, you know, Jeffries who's came in and uh, who can help more with the football side, you know, Nielsen, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, 
we certainly look like we're we're more stable in that department. But I think overall, um, you know, Mrs. Budge and um, her advisors, because I mean, as you could argue the same thing about about Anne Budge. You know, I think her, her advisors aren't the you know she hasn't surrounded herself with the right people. Uh, the Craig Levine one sums it up. You know, the guy should have been sacked a long time ago. Um, but you know, she continually gave him chance after chance. Uh, and he was allowed to stay at the club. I mean, the fact that the guy was sacked, and he was still at the football club, and he, you know, he, and, and Mrs. Budge had told him to stay on. Even he's sitting there going, "Well, I found that a bit strange." Of course, it's strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I found that Spencer as well. You know that, and Gordon too. You can come in on this too. You know, the, the, how how strange is that? The, the guy, the guy got sacked. Levine got sacked, and he was just. He was just out there saying on that documentary, oh, yeah, you know, it was my job to sort of let a few players go and, and you know, speak to... And and, and he went he even even said, oh, I spoke to Daniel. I really got on with him really quite well. You know, I tried to stay out of the way. Yeah. Well, he, he showed Stendhal around the training round at uh, Rickerton when he first came in on his first day. It was uh, Levine that was uh, showing Stendhal all, all the offices and things like that and the, the, the training training ground. Uh, I don't know what, what he was doing there. I would have been too embarrassed if it was me that had got sacked. I would have... <laughs> Head away, I wouldn't have been able to show my face. I don't know, but, but whatever his contract situation was, I don't know if what exactly his role was going forward. I mean, just as you said, he was telling young players they weren't, they didn't have a future at the club. But uh, I don't know what what he was actually doing between the time he got sacked as manager and, and then leaving in March during the pandemic. Yeah, the the the, the whole thing was a, a complete utter farce. I mean. Um think to, to to have you know I mean what and what kind of you know what what does that show Stendhal you know when he's coming in the door to a football club and the guy you're replacing is still lurking around and he's been used in some capacity because clearly he has influence um on players and things like that you know I mean it's well publicized that Levine had his mates and in, in there and I, and I think you know what does that do to to the current regime? You know, I mean, how how can you have full trust in the manager? Um, and I, I think you know, you go back to when when Berra was binned and things like that. And I think it was the right decision because Berra wasn't good enough. But um, the way it was handled, you know, I think yeah, you you want to make a statement and things like that. But maybe Stendhal thought to himself, well, you know, I'm coming in a football club that's kept its old manager around. I'm wanting to get rid of the current captain. What is the best way of doing that? You know. Can I just keep him out of the team? Or have I actually got to get rid of him completely? And I think it was, you know, you can maybe argue it was maybe a cry for help. Maybe he was using that, you know, to say, well, listen, I've got to get rid of the captain. When you get rid of the former manager? Um, so, I, I mean, listen, it just summed up a baffling situation at hearts. I mean, I'd love to go through and, you know, and properly just pinpoint, I think, our greatest hits of... of baffles under the budge era and compare them to the Romanov era because it would be quite interesting. You know, it's just there's so there's so many that I think you could you could argue that, that Mrs. Budge has got wrong, but um she's got things right as well. Um and we're not you know we're not suggesting she hasn't for a minute. Uh, it's a very difficult job being in charge of the third biggest football club in the country and trying to get the best out of, of that of that that football club um with a very demanding support. But ultimately I think, you know, the 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 whole Levine situation just, you know, portrayed her in a poor light. The documentary for for me was quite a good insight, but 
I don't know if it if it crammed too much in to each episode. Yeah, it, it absolutely did. You know, I think that you know you could argue this should have been like an eight episode series. Um, you know, I think the fact that they left so many key moments through this season out is quite poor. You know, I think um, you know because the Sunderland Till I Die um, series, I think that was about eight episodes long. Um, it's it's a similar way. Clearly, the BBC, you know, they they only had license to do the three. Uh, you make it a mini series of three episodes, but they've they've missed a trick here. Absolutely, you know they they should have absolutely extended it to to eight series. And the fact that we just rushed straight through, and by the end of the you know we started, uh, I think we had that Boxing Day defeat to Hibs, and the fact that it was rushed straight through uh, to the to the start of the pandemic um, was was disappointing because I think there was more things that they could have highlighted. Um, they missed out the Scottish Cup run, you know, and how key and important that is. So, disappointing, but listen, it is what it is. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, Spencer, have you watched any of the series? Yeah, it's a little bit boring, a little bit lightweight. I wanted to know why there was no protests, why they didn't show the protests after the Motherwell game. That was a big moment, for example, when people were protesting against Levine and things like that. But I think the show itself's lightweight. I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. I don't think we'll get a lot in the final episode. Um which is now going to focus on Nielsen coming in in the court case. But uh, I'm I'm not really enjoying it too much, I have to say. Thank you both for being a part of the podcast yet again and hopefully we can um, talk about a win next week or two wins next week against Aloha. If not, then uh, it might be two hours long of us moaning. But until next time, goodbye.